Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins. This season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome to You Down, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. I get if you have a type, but what is it rooted in? And what do you mean you don't date an right. entire race that's the same race as you? And I know where it's stemming from. That's why it's problematic, not because they can date a white girl. I could care less who you date. And most of the time, I don't want to date your ass anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to You Down, a podcast where four hilarious honeys come together and talk about what's popping in the culture. I'm Shakira Janae Pei. I'm Mamiya Aforo. I'm Ashley Holston. And I'm Yasmin Monet Watkins. But collectively, we are known as Obama's Other Daughters. And today we're asking, you down with colorism? Seaweed from hairspray said the black of the berry, the sweet of the juice. Mm -hmm. But it is no secret that in most cultures around the world, there is an unspoken negative bias towards those in the community who are darker and have less European features. Today, we're discussing what colorism is, how we've seen it in our lives, and our thoughts on how to deal with it. But first, a group check-in. All right, guys, what are you loving and what are you hating this week? Mm. Well, I have a huge hate. Um, (laughs) (laughs) We love them. I have a huge hate. I hate yellow jacket wasp. I never knew what they were until recently. I have been attacked, assaulted. Um, Oh, no. I I was mentally and physically in pain when it happened yesterday out on my jog, just minding my business. And then these yellow jacket wasps decided to sting me. Uh, The thing about- Sting? Sting and bite. That's what they do. They bite you. They bite too? They they bite you. I didn't even know they had teeth. Yes, they got teeth and they use them all right. All right. (laughs) Terrifying to think about. insects (laughs) insects <laughs> flying around with teeth in their mouth. Right? Biting. <laughs> biting. But they bite you to get a better grip so they can pull the stinger closer and get it in deeper. And what? they do not lose their stinger after they sting you. 
Did you do a whole research paper after you got bit? I did. After I, I was literally jogging and then suddenly I got bit or stung and I didn't know what was going on. And I started freaking out and I'm screaming in the middle of this path, this trail by myself. And then I started sprinting because they kept coming. How many were after you, Kira? I think I got stung about five times. And I say this all cute, but if I show y'all how my butt look right now, y'all gonna be like, dang. <laughs> they went for your, your butt? Up. Yeah. It looks oh, like that's rude. I tried to get an ass shot that didn't quite work out. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Not the failed ass shot. It's Ooh. terrible. So that's what I hate. <laughs> Yellow jam. I think wow. that's understandable. I have a love this week. It's been raining a bunch here in Virginia. So we've been stuck inside a lot, and I finally got out, and I rode my bike. And, uh, guys, I'm just loving, like, the sound of my tires against the rain, the <laughs> green greenery of Virginia so much. I just feel like the neighborhoods are beautiful. So I guess, like, bike rides in beautiful areas is what I'm loving this week. I feel like I just read the first chapter of a Scholastic book. Right? Like Anne of Green Gables or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> like you're going to solve a mystery in the next couple of years. Yes. Like you had a picnic basket on top of I your did. bike. I did. I'm just, of did you really? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going. I'm just yes, Andy. There, is a, there definitely is this air in suburbia that mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. very like refreshing after being in a tin everywhere city all the time (laughs) it's very nice um well you know speaking of green greens greenery my love this week my mom taught me how to make collard greens Oh, uh, the way you say collard green is so crazy. <laughs> collard greens. Collard greens. Collard greens. No, but it was a really big deal. As you guys know, I'm not a chef by any means. It's a struggle. And this week, there was like an organization that gave us bags of produce. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. But I cooked them. And my mom like walked me through the whole process on FaceTime. And we were just bonding. And yeah, it was a really cool moment. Especially because she's like, she cook cooks. And then... You know, I eat, eat. Uh, mm-hmm. so. Everybody has a job, and you <laughs> do yours. <laughs> and now she's training for a new one. I think that's great. Yes, I heard they taste good, too. They were bomb. I was like, oh, let me find out you could cook, yes. Like, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I can see you taking your first bite and literally doing it. Like, hyping yourself up. Like, you hype other people up. Mm. Gotta do it for yourself. Yeah, you too. I was hype. So that's my love this week. I love that. Uh, My love this week is I'm home in Minnesota, and I just really cherish pictures. Like, I've been going through old photos. Mm. Because pictures, you know, pictures speak a thousand words or whatever (laughs) Hallmark says. Um, But, like, is that Hallmark? (laughs) (laughs) Some sentimental company. Exactly. But, like, (sighs) you really do see emotion and like mm-hmm. moments and photographs from times that we don't remember like when we were babies or like toddlers so that's really cool and I found the camera my parents used to take pictures of us as a kid which is like a Vivitar 300 and so Aww. I'm gonna bring it back to LA but um anyway I'm ready to get into our main topic this week yeah um, yes Yeah, so in 1983, Alice Walker coined the word colorism in her book, In Search of Our Mother's Gardens, Womanist Prose, saying colorism is 
prejudicial or preferential treatment of same-race people based solely on their color. Walker put meaning to an issue that permeates most cultures in the world. In African-American oral history, the brown paper bag test was a form of racial discrimination practiced Hmm. within the African-American community and social groups in the 20th century by comparing an individual's skin tone to the color of a brown paper bag. Mm Mm-mm. We see this all over the world in Asian and African cultures. The idea that skin color and features that are closer and representative of whiteness are more favorable than others. So today we're discussing our thoughts on colorism, the brown paper bag test, and how we can work to dispel this division that still lingers in our community. But first, let's take a little break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad. Is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor? And meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing at all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back. Let's get into the main conversation this week. When did you all first realize colorism existed? Ooh. I know for me, one of those moments came, we were all, like, I I had sent an emoji to the group chat. And for years, I've been using the second to last darker emoji, thinking that was my skin color. And then you guys were like, Yasmin, that's not your skin tone. You used the wrong emoji. And I was like, what? You're like, yeah, you're light skinned. And I was like, what? (laughs) Like, it blew my mind. It was just like, I feel like that is remarkable that <laughs> that you didn't know that you would be considered light skin. Yeah, that well 
just to clarify for the audience out there, that was last year. (laughs) 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 This introduction to colorism hit Yasmin. Yeah, but yeah, I I think when we had that conversation, I remember being on the balcony with your husband and being like, wait, wait huh? How? <laughs> it, it was just so baffling. But then in doing some more research, realized that there are plenty of light skinned people who didn't realize that they fell under that category. Mm-hmm. That's just usually not um, what we see. <laughs> Um, I think my first realization of colorism was, I think Kira has a similar story. I went to vacation for a summer and I came back a a very much darker than I typically am. And this boy that I liked was like, uh, damn, I didn't even notice you. I didn't even recognize you. You You got black. And it was the first time I realized okay. that being darker, there was a stigma to it. Or, like, that mm. I had a privilege of not living that way, typically. Yeah. Mm. I do have a similar story where I went on vacation and got chocolatey. Chocolate, chocolate. And <laughs> that happened about—that happened every summer just about um, for a few years. But I feel like when I was younger, my mom told me a story about my grandmother, who's a very dark-skinned woman— and her mom being not kind to her because of that. And I remember mm. that always sticking with me because I was like, but granny is so beautiful. Like, I feel like my grandmother is genuinely just gorgeous. And I remember being like, oh, but she's dark skinned. So the mm. world feels a way mm-hmm. about that. I don't remember there being a time where I wasn't somewhat aware of colorism just because mm. I grew up in a pretty black community and I always fit in the middle and I always had a level of like well I'm brown Mm. I'm not dark (laughs) I'm not light but like I knew light-skinned girls had light-skinned privilege or at least that's what I saw in in my community and I knew dark-skinned girls had not as not the same privilege like I knew that there was a stigma around it Mm -hmm. yeah there was definitely like dudes like light-skinned girls yep yeah Mm -hmm. Mm. even had a girl tell me one time it was her and this dark-skinned girl that both liked the same guy. And the guy picked the dark-skinned girl. And she was like, but I'm light-skinned. Like, literally said that <laughs> oh, to me. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I was like, that hurts yeah, and you're delusional too, bitch. That girl's fine. <laughs> 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 Love that's, it. That's hilarious. Kind of reminds me of my first instance of really being hit over the head with The concept of colorism, because growing up in Minnesota, I was just black. I knew that my skin was black and everyone else's was white. And so when I went to college in the South at Spelman, which is a historically black college, I had heard that that was kind of a thing, but I was like, well, it's not going to affect me. (laughs) And I did a pageant like at HBCUs. Ashley, I'm sure you remember this, but um, mm-hmm. They have so many different pageants, like Miss Dental Club, Mr. <laughs> Science Bowl. Like everything has a court and a royal queen and blah, blah, blah for homecoming, which is the biggest deal at, at the school. Um, so my brother dorm was doing their dorm queen. And I was like best friends with all the guys. Like there's still a lot of like my best guy friends to this day. And my best friend's fiance had to break it to me that I wasn't going to be on the court. And he tried to argue for me, but they ultimately chose three women who were light skinned. And it wasn't like those, their resumes couldn't touch mine. So like I was going into it thinking like, I'm a leader and these things speak for myself and my beauty speaks for itself. But I didn't know I was about to be 
entering a world that had so many layers of bias in terms of skin color and women specifically. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Did you guys talk about color in your families? Oh, yes. I don't want to dominate this conversation, especially recognizing um, <laughs> that I, I have light skin privilege. No, no but like, I think the fact <laughs> that you have light skin privilege, but you acknowledge that is a huge deal because some mm-hmm. people don't acknowledge it or like don't even want to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um So um, tap, tap there. But in terms of my family, it wasn't as perpetuated. But my mom tells me a lot about growing up in Ghana and she has six sisters and she's the darkest. And they always would tease her and like call her ugly and stuff growing up. So she kind of had some chips with that. So she really instilled in me to be confident about just who I am as a person. And it wasn't ever about like, you're dark, so you have to be that. It's like you're a woman and you're black. So you have to present yourself a certain way and act a certain way. But when I was in Ghana recently, we brought some Barbie dolls to some of the little girls in like our family, extended family. And Mm -hmm. one of the mothers, literally like in the Dark Girls documentary that we all watched, if you haven't watched it, you should. It's on YouTube, Dark Girls, part one and part two. But the mother was like, there was one with an afro and there was a white blonde doll. And she was like in chui, like, oh, I'll take the straight hair. Like, I don't like that hair. About the afro. And I, you guys, I just lost it. Maybe it's because I had come out of a breakup, but I started bawling and I like wanted to scream at her. And just because I was like, you have no idea that you bleach your skin and you do all these things. And you're this little Mm -hmm. girl is learning that right now, like in front of our eyes. It's always so sad to see people just, like, not love themselves or, like, Mm. reject things that look like them. My immediate family did not really talk about color much. Like, my brother's a little more light-skinned than the rest of us, but it was always like, oh, well, Andrew looked like Uncle Frank, but it was never like, he's better than us or uh, we're worse than him. But my mom's mother could have passed for white. Like, she was a very, very, very fair-skinned woman. And my mom's chocolateer than me. And so, like, she grew up in in a time where all at the cookout, everyone was light-skinned. And it was like, who them little dark kids? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was really surprising to me in talking to her that she doesn't have a complex about it. Mm-hmm. Like, there mm-hmm. was something that went on in her home, like her mother loving on her, whatever it was, right. that made it so that she's like, yeah, I'm brown. Uh, and I, you could consider me dark, but that's not going to inform how I move through the world, mm-hmm. which is, I think, a little rare. <laughs> I think that's very true on um, the, part, the part about her mom, the way she raised her, because parents project so much of whatever mm. their insecurities are onto their kids. Mm-hmm. And I feel similarly, my mom didn't have a complex. I'm brown skin, so I feel like, especially... And what is it? Charm City. Uh, (laughs) I mean, I have a brown skin privilege. So it was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm not the light skinned girl that all the dudes want to date, but I'm comfortable in this skin tone. I do 
remember my brother always dating light-skinned girls and that being something in my family where we, mm-hmm. me and my mom would joke, be like, oh, oh, what's Toya? She light-skinned, huh? Yeah, I bet you. Like, And I think he went to a dance with one dark-skinned girl and he'd be like, I dated one time. I had that one. And I was like, so one dark-skinned girl, but your baby mama light-skinned. Every other girl, we just seen Toya, you know, Tiffany, all of them light-skinned. So we kept it light, but also it wears the root of... Uh, the problem. I, I mean, that, I, I think it's just the conversation that I would probably have now as a grown up with my brother and see where he's at with that. It's so real because I definitely know, like, and I think part of even my own perception. So my dad is regular brown and my mom is relatively, I guess, light. But growing up, I know, I'm like, yeah, she is. But I imagine that I was just like regular brown. Because my grandmother on my mom's side was very light, like could pass for white, similar to what you were saying, Ashley, about your grandma. And she was from the South. I'd never really thought twice about like, you know, what does it mean that there are generations in my family that are just, I mean, like from Shreveport, Louisiana, mm. thinking about the implications of slavery and what that actually looks like. So I'm just, when people would be like, what are you mixed with? I'd always be like, just black. Thank you for sharing that, Yasmin. I feel like that goes to a deeper level of when we talk about how the things that happen to our ancestors are cellular and like they are mm. still in the air that we breathe and it's kind of our job to dispel and break some of those negative things that we don't feel we need. And I think in the, I'm assuming Creole is where your family is coming from Louisiana or some aspect of that. Am I? We just can never trace it. Okay. My grandma was light. Her father was light. You know what Mm. I mean? Like it was just like generations of light folks without really much connection to why. Hmm. And that I think that speaks to how it was a survival mechanism. And we know that the root of all of this comes from colonization and comes mm-hmm. from divide on the plantation and conquer. Right. If we can pit the light versus the dark or whatever mm-hmm. against each other, then we have control because we control right. the narrative then. And I it was a survival mechanism for people back then to know if I pass, I need to marry somebody else who passes because mm. we want our kids to have an mm-hmm. easier life. They're not going to have to deal with the color aspect of it as much. Mm-hmm. What about how colorism has affected us in our dating lives? I definitely know that my dad, I, I can't think of actually any dark-skinned women that he would date. Growing up, and he, I, y'all, when I, I love my dad so dearly, he would date so many women. I was going through this photo album at his house, and it was just like woman after woman, and they just all sort of looked the same. I mean, some of them even had the same name. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <You> but <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of crazy because in my adult life, I was going back through like who are the women that I've dated, especially as we're coming into this conversation and like being honest and vulnerable and like. I'm not going to lie, y'all. I came into this conversation with a bit of trepidation because I'm like, it's so hard to learn in public, but also like to really confront the way that colorism shows up in my life. And I have dated so many light-skinned women. I'm just like, what does that mean? What are the things that I need to unpack from my family? And what are the things that I've been taught that I need to unlearn? And like, how do I decolonize desire, right? I don't know if this is true or not, but I I don't feel like a lot of Black women 
colorize black men the way black men colorize mm. black women. Yes. Um, I look at black men and I usually like chocolate. My first boyfriend was probably a little darker than me. And as an adult, um, I've gone all the shades of, and races as well. I've dated outside of my race, but I I don't feel like it's, I, I feel like there are times where I've maybe counted myself out and I don't know how true that is to the black men counting me out. There are times where I have had situations with black men, especially living in LA, where they don't date black girls. <laughs> like they just don't, <laughs> which is very problematic uh, because I get if you have a type, but what is it rooted in? And what do you mean you don't date an right. entire race that's the same race as you? And I know where it's stemming from. That's why it's problematic, not because they can date a white girl. I could care less who you date. And most of the time, I don't want to date your ass anyway. So <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Tell date me. your white girl. Go ahead. <laughs> but that's I have to that. <laughs> you mentioned like how uh, black men, I guess, stereotype the color of black women's skin more so than... Um, Vice versa. But I have heard a many a stereotype about, like, light-skinned dudes are soft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that dark-skinned dudes are more aggressive. They probably going to get arrested. You know, like, they still have the stigmas, um, I suppose. I was trying to think about my dating history and the type of men I've liked. And it, like Kira, has been a little all over the spectrum I feel, though, that in looking at it, I haven't been, um, like, darker dudes wouldn't give me as much play as, like, a light-skinned dude or a white guy or a Latino guy would. Mm. Um, And I feel like some of that is, like, I want my kids to have good hair or, you know, black girls have attitude. Um, Or or trying to come up, like, if you're brown-skinned, you want someone who's going to elevate your race type thing which is ignorant. Um, That's not what I believe. (laughs) I feel like I've dated a, or, you know, I've had, like, very close guy friends who were upwardly mobile, like, really killer, successful type guys who were smart and, like, doing stuff for themselves. But I always felt like those kind of guys didn't want to date me. Like, they maybe wanted to be my best buddy and hang out all the time. But... They didn't want to claim me as, like, their status symbol, which is, like, the woman on your arm, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, It's weird. And then there are other Black men who would be attracted to me or would be like, oh, Nubian princess, like, in almost a fetishy type way, who I feel like thought, oh, this woman is dark and chocolate and Mm -hmm. down for the cause and she's going to come in my life and take on my baggage and be more of a maternal as opposed to a goddess, like they said in the documentary. Like, Mm -hmm. I see you as somebody who will take care of me as opposed to somebody who's sexy and desirable and, like, Mm. deserves a certain reverence from me as a man or a partner. And, like, my first boyfriend ever, who was in college um, and was a Black man, it was from Virginia, and he told me that if his grandmother was alive, or maybe it was his great-grandmother, she would roll over in her grave if she saw how dark I was. No. And at the time, I know. No. Like, the young me was like, oh, that's great. But, like, thinking about that, that's like, oh, that's pretty deep and might explain the demise of our relationship. But (laughs) it's just, it goes back. Like, 
we're at the place now that we are just having these conversations about, no, we still see this problem, like in hip hop and mainstream culture everywhere. Yeah. I do think that this moment in time is really forced all of us on a global scale to really sit down and like look at our lives, look at what's working, look at what isn't working. What are the generational things that we've mm. learned and that we need to that stop hurt. right now? I was thinking about hip hop and being like a seventh or ninth grader watching <laughs> Mystical Shake Danger. Mm. Yeah. Oh, Shake, yes. Yeah, or, you know, album. either one, either one. Mm, yeah. But just seeing so many light-skinned women getting mm-hmm. praised. I never wanted to be lighter. I never wanted to be darker. But I was like, dang, what's so great about light-skinned women that everybody likes so much? And it wasn't until I was older, I was like, oh, it's like things that are close to whiteness. Like I wasn't able to be lighter in skin tone, but I was able to be articulate and like distance myself from hmm. darkness or blackness that way. Right. And it also in terms of speaking and how you present yourself, the other side of that is socioeconomic status. Hmm. I want to say that on the documentary, they said that light-skinned men make 25% more than dark-skinned. Yeah. Well, and it shows up in, like, multiple facets from the way that, like, Black girls are, or especially darker-skinned Black girls are criminalized in schools. Mm -hmm. Like, with incarceration, there is this study at Villanova of like a North Carolina jail. And it showed that light-skinned women received prison sentences that were 12% shorter than dark-skinned women. Another aspect of that in terms of like activism and stuff is why do white people or lighter people get to the front of a picket Mm. line Mm -hmm. while protesting? Because that's a symbol, visual symbol of how a police officer is less likely to shoot and kill a person whose skin is lighter and see some humanity in them mm-hmm. instead of just beating them like a dog because they don't see I think I life. saw actually recently um, with um, what's happening in the world, a woman was getting beat with uh, baton sticks by police officers and I was on Twitter and somebody was like, yo, she light-skinned and they still beating her ass. Oh. Uh, sorry, I <laughs> quoted fully. But I remember <laughs> thinking like, I hadn't seen police beat a light-skinned girl with curly hair up with batons the way they beat dark skin and people who they they've coined more aggressive darker skinned black people it makes me think that the reality is that there is no difference between us yeah mm-hmm. and that they perpetuate differences between us they they highlight these differences so we feel like we're pitted against each other mm-hmm. but in all honesty the cops is going if you white you black you you know whatever it is mm-hmm. you out of line you out of line mm-hmm. and like yeah. it's mm-hmm. it will take us all realizing like you're dark you're curly hair you're light whatever all of us have to band together yeah, yeah. together yeah because yep. he's out think, of control like recognizing i think especially for light folks that are light skinned There are things that even though we all experience racism as Black people, there are ways that I don't experience certain things or privileges that I am afforded because I am Mm light-skinned. And like being very cognizant of that and like unpacking it and working at it constantly, right? In the same way that I'm working towards like defunding the police and activism and all that stuff. This too is a part of the work that I must do and that we must do because uh, our brothers, sisters, uh, you know, non-gender conforming in between are being treated differently. Mm-hmm. All right. So we cannot have a conversation about colorism 
and not talk about Mamiya's short brown mm. paper pageant. Oh, wow. mm-hmm. but you Gosh. wrote. You know we got to talk you up oh, a little gosh, bit. Oh, gosh, darn. Thank you. Um, your short, which you wrote, directed, and starred in. Um, go ahead and share some of the premise about that film and what inspired you. The concept came from feelings that I had after I graduated from Spelman, my beloved alma mater in Atlanta, because you guys know I grew up in Minnesota around mm-hmm. a very white community and mm-hmm. then went to Spelman to kind of find my black identity and learn about <laughs> blackness in America, which is crazy because in Minnesota, I was just black. But when I got to Atlanta, I was dark skinned black and I didn't know that there was um, a gradient or, you know, that colorism was as pervasive in our community as it is. So it, it was very interesting to me. And I would see examples and pageants and just in social settings. So I wanted to discuss that in a way that made people laugh, but also kind of shed a little light on the subject matter, because it seems like a kind of sweep under the rug in the community. Oh, yeah, most definitely. I just think it's important for us to not be afraid to have the conversations Mm -hmm. within our community that might be uncomfortable. Because Mm -hmm. in trying to get this feature made, there have been Black executives, I'm looking at you, who have told our agents, like, I don't want to make a movie about colorism. And these are people who, when you list these are Black movers and shakers and filmmakers, their name is on that list. And I think that's a problem to say that we, we're fighting for white people to tell our stories and we don't even want some of mm. them told. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't know if y'all grew up with this saying, like, what happens in this house stays in this house. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, which is, like, I think something that a lot of Black people hold on to. Like, mm-hmm. why would we tell our business? Why would we let mm-hmm. them know that we're fighting? Also, mm-hmm. Vegas. Vegas, too. Again? In Vegas, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just in case y'all want it. They stole it from the black people just like they do. <laughs> but I, I do think that that has something to do with it because a lot of black folks that I've talked to have been raised with that mentality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't want to give white folks nothing to talk about. Don't be looking at us sideways. We cool over here, but we not. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oof. That, that hit me so deep. There's so many things that you're just not supposed to talk about. And, like, it's like, why can't we talk about it? And I feel like we're the generation who's like, you know what? Actually, those are your skeletons. That's your closet. That's not my cross to bear. Or rather that it is because now we going to unpack the skeleton. Well, yeah. Yeah. You know, we got to do the work that they wouldn't do. And I understand why you wouldn't want to because it's uncomfortable and people argue and you can lose family or friends because mm-hmm. of sharing your beliefs. But it, I think, is more beneficial for us to have these conversations and to figure out how we can get away from judging each other on some shit that we can't even, we can't change. We don't control. It don't mean nothing. And I think, too, like, sometimes people don't have the conversations because people have been able to get away with, like, well, that's just my type. So, yeah. like, you're going to tell me that I'm racist or I'm mm-hmm. colorist because I like this type of woman. And I'm like, yeah, I am telling you that. But how do we actually? Mm-hmm. Or and do, how, do can you? Cha- how can you change it after so many years? And I don't think you have to actually start dating, you know, every shade to prove a point. But I do think... It can't be a problem you continue to have after a conversation. I will say that the idea of unconscious bias, Mm -hmm. like part of of it is like becoming aware of the bias in order to address it. And acknowledging it. 
that it exists. And also the fact that it happens in cultures all over the world is mind-blowing to me because that's how powerful colonization is. Like, yeah. they were yeah. able to let everybody in the world know whiteness <laughs> is better. And don't you and forget it. So everywhere. Few- White people aren't the majority. Nope. No. I was thinking about our time in Thailand and how in Thailand we saw all brown people. It was all wow. brown people in Thailand. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then I looked up Thailand actors and they're all white looking, all very fair skinned. Yeah. So it's yeah. like whiteness has been just projected as a standard, even though it's not attainable by most of us. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also like in Ghana, which... There are two sides of it because in Ghana, like as a black person, it feels like the country is hugging you when you get there because everybody is black. It's like going to HBCU homecoming or DC or Freaknik if I was a teen and no, you guys are not going to be able to handle it because they'll be like my queen. Our beauty is like what it is like. Mm-hmm. That's the standard. But on the other side. It's one of the biggest markets for skin bleaching cream mm. because they're looking at us in America being like, this is what's beautiful. We're watching mm-hmm. rap videos of the artists we like, and these are the girls they have in the videos. So that's what's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this video that I took at this fabric shop and this woman because they've outlawed legally bleaching cream in Ghana, but people oh. still sell it on the low, low. Like Ooh. literally this woman had no. a backdoor uh, shop no. full of every brand of bleach and type and lotion and oil you could imagine. And I'm like, oh my God, like it's just so deep how, yeah. how it's length. like the known thing. We should be lighter. We should be trying to make our skin lighter. I think it really does go back to that that what one of y'all said earlier about it being a survival technique. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know about how it is in, in Ghana, but to be successful in the world, it seems like you have to have some relative closeness to whiteness mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because whiteness is power. Whiteness is sophistication. It's education. But that's also the TV. Mm-hmm. What people are consistently seeing is a huge reflection of how it got so global and how it became like such a unknown thing that whiteness is great because majority of the movies where people are powerful and successful and they're like white. <laughs> it reminds me of how special Whoopi Goldberg is. Oh mm. my gosh. Yeah. She was doing things as a, you know, stereotypically not beautiful, dark skin locks. And she you was know? gorgeous. You ever seen a young photo of Whoopi? And she was on Broadway and she was on, she had moved, mm-hmm. you know, the fact that that black woman was on Broadway. Not only was she on Broadway, she was on Broadway with a one woman show mm-hmm. where she literally did like 12 characters back to back. That's mm. it. Mm-hmm. It was special. Like, what was happening in that moment? She was like Kevin Hart in the way that these studio big movies, like mm-hmm. that was her time. And I don't know if we've seen something similar since then. Whoopi also has like a defy the odds type, Mm -hmm. you know, like, I'm going to do it my way and you're going to like it. Mm -hmm. Watch. Yeah. And like a confidence about herself, which I think is something that, you know, we get a lot from the outside world telling us who we are and how to be, but it really does start with ourselves and making sure that we are saying nice things to ourselves Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and that we are knowing who we are without external shit. Look in the mirror, 
Look at your skin or whatever it is that you are down about and look in your eyes and tell yourself that you're beautiful. I tried to do it one time and it's it can be difficult <laughs> to look yourself in the eye and say things that you don't necessarily believe. But I think it's important. Beauty is literally a mindset. Mm-hmm. The way that you carry yourself and see yourself and mm-hmm. feel about yourself resonates on the outside. And no, everybody's not going to think you're fine no mm-hmm. matter what you look like. But... Mm-hmm. If you know that you are worthy of life and yeah. worthy of love and worthy of all things good, like that is the place to get. Write yourself a love letter tonight. And oh. <laughs> actually, I did write a poem. Uh, it's called Note to Self. <laughs> you can find it <laughs> on the internet somewhere. But it was very much that, like, let me pick myself up and, like, you know, write a love letter to myself. And if you can't find the words to tell yourself that you're beautiful, go ahead and reach out to us. We'll write you a little nice letter, tell you how fine you are and how you're smart beautiful. and beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beautiful okay, you a baddie. Let OOD uplift you. We got your back. Mm-hmm. I feel like this was definitely one of our heavier conversations, but I love that we all got so real with our experiences. And I really do think it's important, like, what we were saying before, like, how do we end this thing? Or, like, mm-hmm. we can't end it in one day with a... What are the things the judges hit on the... A gavel. A gavel. gavel. <laughs> a gavel. But we can do, you know, through our work and through speaking up in certain yeah. moments. Mm-hmm. And I guess recognizing and calling our own selves out or, you mm-hmm. know, people close to us and having those hard conversations. All right, y'all. Now I got my gavel. I guess colorism is over. Colorism is officially over. We solved it with love and education. Beautiful. Um, Guys, I'd like to end this by saying, my name is Ashley Holston, and I'm a brown-skinned woman, and that is beautiful. Oh. (laughs) Clap, clap. Um, My name is Yasmin Monet Watkins, and... I am what they tell me, no. a light-skinned <laughs> black woman. You can't unpack it if you can't say it. Yo. No, I am a light-skinned woman. And That's you're beautiful. Great. That's one beautiful. And I'm beautiful. That's first step. I'm so scared. Yes. I'm Shakira Janae Pei, and I am a brown-skinned woman. Brown skin, brown skin. You know I love your brown skin. Well, I am Mamiya Aforo, and I am a beautiful, dark, black, brown-skinned girl. Is it black (laughs) or brown? Dark black is like real black, but I'm brown. I'm saying it loud. I'm black and I'm proud, okay? Yay. Say it loud. I'm I'm black and I'm proud. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um... I think that it's time for us to give some advice. But before we get to that, let's take a little break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. 
And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. Summon your anticipation for an all-new season of our favorite Netflix series, Bridgerton. And with it, a new season of Bridgerton, the official podcast. I'm your host, Gabby Collins, and this season, we are bringing fans even deeper into the ton. Colin Bridgerton has returned from his travels abroad, is betrothal written in the stars for The Eligible Bachelor, and meanwhile, the ton is reverberating with speculation of who holds Lady Whistledown's pen. We're discussing it all. And I sit down with Nicola Coughlin, Luke Newton, Shonda Rhimes, and more to offer an exclusive peek behind the scenes of each episode of the new season. Watch season three of the Shondaland series on Netflix, May 16th. Then fall in love all over again by listening to Bridgerton, the official podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes drop starting May 2nd. Welcome back, y'all. Okay. It is time for a lucky listener to get some advice from OD. Okay. <laughs> Yasmin, what do you have for us? All right. Dear OOD, I've been dying to get this off my chest. The other day, this down low guy, he put in parentheses, a straight guy who engages in homosexual activities mm-hmm. that I used to hook up with months ago, had the audacity to ask me if him and his new girl can have sex in my living room. What? 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 I almost don't even want to continue. I'm like, the answer is no. But we'll continue. Case closed. Um, the answer is why. Yeah. Um, apparently, sis doesn't want to go to a hotel because of COVID. This is crazy. Okay, that's fair. Okay. Uh, and he can't bring his girl home because his baby mama had to move in with him because of COVID. This is so <laughs> this convoluted. Is this is a mess. This is a Real. hot ass mess. Garbage, um, steaming hot trash. <laughs> I told him I would think about it, but I haven't replied. You'd think about it. Okay. <laughs> I miss seeing him, and maybe oh. this is him saying he misses seeing me too. What do you think I should do? Is this too toxic to engage with? Please help. <laughs> Mr. Wondering what to do. Mr. Wondering what to do. I hope you know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you invite that drama into your home? Or are they like trying to do it on the couch and invite you or something? Like, is that the goal? I don't know what their goal is. Uh, this gave me so much joy because this was toxic all the way around. One hundred percent. There wasn't one moment where I was like, "Whoa, that sounds good." <laughs> Mister, wondering what to do. You already said he had the audacity to ask right. you. You know that's not right. Don't nobody, you don't ask mm-hmm. an ex, can I fuck somebody else in your <laughs> living room? What uh-uh. the hell? And expect a yes. That's right. The, that's that person the crazy part. Is, is nuts. But yeah. and I get missing somebody and like thinking yeah, you're gonna see him, true. but he's gonna be there with the intention to fuck somebody else. So what's mm-hmm. what's, what's the point in yeah. inviting mm-hmm. him into your life on that level? And also, too, how comfortable do you feel with him? I mean, it's not your business if he lies to this girl, but like you know, he lied to this girl, mm-hmm. and he you and just you help facilitate you, you help him facilitate it. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. You, that'd it be on sounds my like conscience. there's also like a lot of, and you know, I feel like a lot of bi folks get this about like the being down low or whatever, but like. Uh, 
I feel like life is just a, a lot easier when you just embrace who you are fully. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like this guy has a lot to unpack around shame for himself. Mm-hmm. Like, that he can't it's, be yeah, open. It's a weird thing that he's like, let me bring a woman to this man's house. Right? Yeah. That you used to hook Prove up with that I months. also do this, too. It's yeah. also just rude as fuck. Like, right? what? Mm-hmm. Are you crazy? Like, mm-hmm. you disrespect me enough to not acknowledge that I might have feelings for you because we hooked up before. But you're bringing somebody else's body into my home mm-hmm. so you can get off? No. And it'd be one thing if, like, you were also into women and were, like, I also into his partner. <laughs> I'd like to join. Yeah, like, oh, right. That, yeah, like, it'd be one thing. thing if it was an invitation to a threesome, though not all bi people love threesomes. Um, some of us do, too. Anyway, neither here nor there. <laughs> the point is, I, this sounds toxic AF, man. Yeah. yeah. I think you know what to do, and I think that you just need someone else to say it, so we're going to say it. Don't let this man have sex <laughs> in your living room. Don't do don't it. Don't do it. No. you miss seeing them, but you don't want to see them like that. I, I guarantee it. No. And you don't want to have to scrape anything off the couch that you yeah. don't know where it came yeah. from. Yeah. Uh, ah. Mm. Mm. There are more healthy relationships that are out there for you. I promise. Exactly. You deserve good love. The love that sees you in the light, that sees you in the day, that claims you unapologetically. Right. Love that ain't trying to smash on your couch. Oh. No, that's that's a no. I hope we helped you out, Mr. Wonder What to Do. Mm -hmm. You know. (laughs) You know. You know. Your heart knows. You guys, today has been so, as Beyonce said, my heart is full. Um, (laughs) Did she say it like a slave like that? I didn't think that was a slave accent. That was my Beyonce. Oh, that's my go-to slave. So I'm, I'm, what am I doing? My heart is full. Beyonce is Um, real low. Like, like she got something, you know. I'm Beyonce. (laughs) Your voice didn't go down, Kira. It didn't. I felt like it did. I'm Beyonce. I'm Beyonce. How about that? Is that that? <laughs> that. I don't care. Yes. We are OOD and we are Beyonce. <laughs> we are. Cheer for your home. <laughs> Today has been awesome, you guys. We've discussed what colorism is, how mm-hmm. it's affected our lives, how we've seen it in our lives and in our families, and also gave, I think, some pretty awesome tools on how people can work to dispel it in their lives and we appreciate all of you out there tuning in once again we love you remember to share and review this podcast it helps us and we want to know what you think mm-hmm. and come on over to social media at obama's other daughters on instagram at ood improv on twitter and on facebook at obama's other daughters come kiki with us we want to get to know you Yes, be our friends. And if you need advice, we will answer your questions. So send those letters over to oodpodcast at gmail.com. We read every one of them. Do send it. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Peace, peace. You Down is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.